Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Hey, this is a dream come true for me. I'm a, I'm a frustrated game show host wannabe. And so I'm coming this morning from Burn Hickory, getting down Bath Sounds around town, right here with Pastor Brian, the Gregsons. Give it up for Mark and Marianne. Yes, it's always been Marianne's goal to be up here on the platform with a microphone in her hand. Not. But here's what we're doing is that, you know, Brian does most of our pastoral counseling and is the director of our new counseling center that'll be completed as we finish up our our building. The Gregsons have been involved in our marriage mentoring ministry and one of our lead couples there and just an all-around sweet couple. You know, don't they look that way? And thank you guys for being with us this morning. Want to just pick your brain a little bit? See where God takes us and let him just kind of land in, in just a few places that we could really take back home with us, okay? I'm going to start off with Brian. Brian, you um, meet with a lot of folks. I see him coming and going. And uh, man, I tell you, if, if anybody's got their finger on the pulse of kind of what some uh, families, what marriages are dealing with right now, I mean, what would you say? What are you seeing? What, what are some of the things? Well, wow, that's a big expectation, Marty. Yep. Um, so as I meet with couples, and I, if, if you ask me or if I was to ask you, let's put that up. If I was to ask you, what do you think the world says are the number one reasons uh, couples, relationships are divorcing or falling apart? Most of you would say it has to do with uh, communication or finances, adultery, uh, unfaithfulness, things like that. I personally believe, coming at it from a Christian perspective, that the number one problem all relationships face is the sin of selfishness that then plays out in all these other ways. And our world really propagates the whole idea of you need to take care of you and you need to get what you need and you want and all those types of things. And we don't separate that when we come to God and then we let that play out in our relationships and especially in our marriages. So one of the things that we need to do is get back, what does God say? Yeah. Who I am, what I need to be, and how I live that out in every relationship, especially the covenant of marriage. And the other area that I really run across a lot in, uh, Marty, is that very few couples talk about what the boundaries are for their marriage. Uh, You all have them in your head. What's the boundaries that I expect in our marriage for me or for my spouse? But I find that very few talk about those. Uh, Let me give you an example. For my wife and I, we've been married 39 years. Her name is Susan. And Susan and I had this discussion either right before we got married or right after we got married, about some of the boundaries. And one of the boundaries that we agreed upon was that never, ever, 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 never, 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 ever, ever, you get that? That would either one of us ride in a car or go to lunch or dinner with someone of the opposite sex without a third party being there. And over the years, we have both been criticized for that. But here's the deal. We don't distrust each other. She trusts me. I trust her. It's all you other fools that I don't trust. Okay? So 
we put that boundary to say to each other, we value who God's made us. We value our covenant together. We are going to protect it at any cost. So we have those boundaries. All of you have some boundaries, whether they're spoken or unspoken. There's a whole book on boundaries. If you've never read it, you ought to read it and figure out how do you and your spouse set the boundaries to protect your marriage. Because look, we have an enemy. As a believer, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. And if he can't uh, keep you from coming to Christ, that he is going to uh, render you ineffective by coming at you and the most important things, which would be your relationship with Christ and or your marriage, mm-hmm. the covenant that you make with God in that. So, so he's attacking you. You got to stand on those things. So, hey, you know, one of the comments that is my favorite comment when I talk with a couple is that he doesn't make me happy anymore. She doesn't make me happy anymore. I don't think God wants me to be unhappy. I mean, what's your response to that, Brian? Good luck. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, what? Good luck? Yeah. I'm sarcastic. Yeah. I have the <laughs> gift of sarcasm, okay? Oh, um, great. You've got a lot of business to come right. to you to counsel. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of my things is, and it comes out of a book. If you've never read this book, you ought to go get it and read it. It's called Love and Respect uh, by Egridge. And he really talks about that your covenant with God is between you and God and how you play that out with everybody else, especially in relationships, is your responsibility. So I'll go ahead and jump in with this illustration I've been using every day. So we'll take Mark and Marianne here, and they've asked me as a pastor to officiate their wedding. And so we're there at the wedding, and I have them look around at all of you who have been invited to the wedding, and I'm there as an invited guest as well to officiate the wedding. And as I'm officiating the wedding, somewhere... It's a little facetious, but I'm going to say, Mark, you want her? And he's going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Marianne, you want her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know that's being a little facetious, but let me play it out this way in a really God sense. I'm there, but it's actually God standing in front of you guys. Mm -hmm. And God is going to ask you this, Mark. He said, Mark, you see this beautiful young lady? And he goes, yeah. He says, God says, that's my little girl. That's Jesus' sister. And he opens the door to Marianne's heart and says, Mark, you see that heart? And you go, yes, sir. He goes, that's mine. I'm going to take care of my little girl. But Mark, I need a man in the flesh who would like to work with me and for me while she's on earth to take care of her. Would you like the job of honoring her, respecting her, building her up, protecting her, taking care of her needs, and just holding her up in all things. Would you like that job? And Mark said, yep, I'd love that job. And then God turned to Marianne and said, Marianne, you see this man next to you? And you went, yes, sir. He said, that's my little boy. That's Jesus' little brother. And he opens the door to Mark's heart and says, Marianne, you see that heart? Marianne goes, yes, sir. He says, that one's mine. I'm going to take care of my boy. But Marianne, I need a woman in the flesh as long as my son's here, that would take care of him, honor him, protect him, build him up, put wind back in his sails when the world sucks it out. Would you like that job? And you said yes. And so then God reaches beside each of your hearts and he pulls out a silver locket and he gives it to you and says, show it off, polish it, protect it in all things as though it's the most important thing in your life other than Jesus. And y'all said, okay. Now, y'all don't know this, but they've been married 29 years, right? 28. 28. Okay, 28 years. 
if I asked them, which I would ask you too if you've been buried, pull out the locket that you have and look at it. What does it look like? Is it scratched? Is it tarnished? Is it muddy, dusty? And if it is, whose fault is that? It's not theirs. It's yours because you told God you were going to be the one to take care of it. So what are you doing now to try to restore the one you told God you would take care of? Because actually Mark's in covenant with God. Marianne is in covenant with God. And they are the benefactors of their covenant with God. And that plays out so beautifully in y'all's relationship, in my relationship, Marty's relationship with Becky and all is that when we are living under the covenant of God and honoring that, then it works out naturally this way. We create the triangle. I know you can, I don't want to play this out too far. I'm not in covenant with Susan. I'm in covenant with God. And she gets to be the benefactor. So as we play that out, and so many people don't understand that. Well, I know when, when God showed me that picture a number of years ago, it really changed our marriage and how I approached marriage and how I approached Susan in trying to treat her as the gift from God other than Jesus, the greatest thing I've ever received. Amen. Brian's about to, about, to, about to preach, I think. Yeah, man. Tell it's a little passion of his. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, so the Gregsons, marriage mentoring. Some folks are aware of it. Some maybe been through it. Some are mentors. What is it for somebody who doesn't know? Sure. So um, marriage mentoring, I'll just start off in saying, is not counseling, right? We're, that's not our, we're not skilled for that. We weren't trained for that. Um, but we have a lot of life lessons. And part of the mar- marriage mentoring program really is just working through a process on learning how to communicate through differences. And so at the beginning of the program, you sign up, and you can do that today, um, if you'd like, by going on to the Burn Hickory website and, uh, or the, the app. And if you click on uh, register for an event, we'll be the top uh, section there for marriage mentoring. You can sign that up and you'll be paired with a marriage mentor. And there's, there's several dozen of us at the church. And the first time you'll meet, you'll go through a um, assessment to kind of answer different questions about different topics. And it will really, that's what we'll use to go through over the next eight to uh, seven to 10 weeks as we um, go through that. And it really will just help us figure out how to communicate about a topic maybe you're not aligned on. Cool. So, like, who's that for? Is that for, like, if, if my marriage is just really on the rocks? Is it, like, if I'm getting ready to get married, um, what? Uh, who? You take that? Um, I would say it's for, like, right now we are mentoring a um, premarital couple. So, and we've mentored a couple that had been married 15 years. So it just depends on where you are. It can be a whole range of, of um, different seasons um, in your marriage, but also that if it's for, it can be for anyone. I feel like it can be for anyone that just wants to strengthen what they already have. And um, I think we can all use a little fine tuning along the way. Yeah. You know, when Becky and I were introduced to it and we went through certification, we'd been Married 42 years. And so we were practicing with another couple. And um, so you do just a brief assessment. And it shows just some areas that maybe you could improve upon uh, between the two. And it's like, man, I did, I was a blind spot for me. And so, like, I was, like, not just practicing. We were actually doing some work in our marriage on that. Yeah, well, we did that as well. 
he, um, there was one that he answered. I'm like, why did you answer that that exactly, way? Exactly, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. well, do we have a problem here? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So as you pour into other couples, as you mentor them, um, have you grown some through that process of what God's done in you yeah, as we well? Yeah, we really have. Um, in fact, it's been a bit of a journey for us. Uh, if you roll back kind of four years when the program was kind of kicked off, Marty, you had sent a lot of couples emails, and um, when I got that, I actually just deleted it. There um, you go. I was like, you this is not for us. For me, that's the thing to do. We're not professionals at this. Like, yeah. this can't be for us. Yep. And so a little time passed. Marianne, we were talking about it, and she said, hey, did you look at that? I was like, yeah, it's not for us, right? We're, our marriage is okay, but we're fine. And she's like, okay, well, did you pray about it? And, of course, I was like, oh, that word. You know, it's like, all right, fine. But I was so confident that um, this was not what God wanted for us because this is not us. We're, we're, that's not our thing. And over the next couple of weeks, the Spirit really began working in both of us. And it was like, it was obvious. This is where God wanted us to be. So we've benefited from it personally yeah. um, because each time we go through a session, um, we sit down with our, ourselves and say, how are we doing? Are there areas in our marriage that are kind of creeping in we're not quite aligned on anymore? And so it really helps us to make sure that we're on track and just those little fine-tuning things that we need to do along the way. And so it's really brought us closer together. Yeah, yeah. so the Marriage Mentoring is really a great program we have here. Uh, and Marianne mentioned that we have premarital couples, yep. but it is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're pre-married or been married 50 years. There's still things we all need to learn and grow. But by mentioning the premarital, one of the few things, let's say this seriously, I guess, that our government has done positive in the last 30 or 40 years is they actually uh, set a guideline that if you will go get premarital counseling before you get married, the government will give you like $100 off of your uh, license when you go to get married just by going and getting some premarital counseling and some help. So taking their mentoring qualifies for that and they can sign and give you a form that, that you could do that. So it's great for premarital, but it's also good for everybody. Yeah. So do you have like a success story without, you know, breaching confidentiality of maybe somebody that you've, you've met with? Yeah. Um, one of the first couples that we mentored was a young couple. They had been married less than five years and, um, we were kind of excited because it's always fun to the, you know, to meet with new, new couples that are freshly married and they had two little ones at home and they did not grow up in families where healthy communication was really modeled. And so they really struggled with just daily conversations leading to conflict and arguments because they didn't know how to communicate. And so through the program, we were able to um, teach them tools and um, give them some things to really work on and help them to have a safe place to learn how to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And they have a great marriage today because of the, the mentoring program. Cool. Yeah, maybe I'll share an example as well. Um, there was a family that um, it was a blended family, right? This was their second marriage and they had kids um, from the other previous marriages. And so you can imagine the challenges that brings to trying to parent um, different kids. And so the mentoring program really allowed for them to kind of come together and talk about how, how they want to parent, how do they want to parent together as a couple. And really was they were able to get aligned and really be able to focus on their kids together versus doing it independently. Yeah, that's neat. So um, communication is a pretty big deal, huh, in marriage. So, like, tell me one thing that y'all have learned don't you love, I, ch I change the questions every hour just to keep Marianne on her toes, right? So uh, 
what's one thing you've learned in your own marriage on how to Im- it improves your communication? So I have a story for this. Um, so <laughs> you better before yeah, she shares. Yeah, with I know. Yeah, um, we um, we grew up in very different families. My family was very um, great family, good, good Christian family, but we didn't talk about emotions a lot. We was just kind of um, very factual, and we had a good time, good 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 growing up, but it just not a lot of emotions. And Marianne's family was just the opposite. It was always out there. They were talking about how they were feeling, and so. Well, that's a lot very attractive, you know, um, differences, opposites attract, you always hear that. As we got into our marriage, um, that was always a kind of a struggle for us because I tend to process, think about things, mm-hmm. and then I'll come out with some areas and Marianne wants to process it out loud. And so yep. Yep. Um, kind of funny going through the pandemic and spending all that time together, one of the things that um, we kind of worked through and got through was around whenever I'm doing that, I'm processing and I'm silent. Marianne was to ask me, and after all the Zoom calls and stuff, are you on mute? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. I'm on mute. You know, I'm not talking out loud. And so it was just a good, easy way for us to kind of say, hey, I need you to kind of process out loud with me versus doing it all in your head. And so we learned to kind of uh, not to be an issue for us. That's good. How about you, Mary? No, that's, uh, that was exactly what I was going to say, it? is that our okay. communication styles are so different. Yeah. And it takes not just... It's not always that he has to come over to the way I want to communicate, but it's that I need to understand that he communicates differently than I do. And that sometimes I just need to give him the space to come to think through what I've said and process it. But the, the mute store, we were on a walk. So it was just, we were just walking the two of us. And I'm like, he hasn't said anything for five minutes. (laughs) And I'm like, are you on mute? You're not saying anything about what I just said. So, yeah. Yeah, what you what Becky would tell you is that, for some reason, after you date, you you haven't figured out that you communicate differently. I don't get it. We should have it figured out by then. Well, but anyway, yeah. So, my job was to fix whatever was upsetting Becky. So, you know, if she gets emotional or has something, then, uh, I, you know, just cut the emotions. We can skip over that. Go straight to the solution. And that was not not the right thing to do. Yeah, so, so Susan and I, when we got married, the book um, Five Love Languages had not been written. It came out a year or two after we had been married. So we were just kind of limping along. I was in seminary. I would get up in the morning because I grew up in a family with lots of that of boys and good positive words and lots of hugs so when we got married I would get up in the morning and I would hug her and tell her I loved her and kiss her grab my book bag and off to school I went and then from there I went to work and did all of that and then came back in the house at six o'clock in the afternoon and she's been there and I would walk over there and I would hug and kiss her and tell her I'm glad I'm home and maybe say well what do you think we're going to eat and when and she said well I don't know it'd be a couple hours I say great I'd get my book back uh, my gym bag and off to the gym I went because I had hugged her and I had told her I loved her. So I had used, takes, I used my yep. love language and imposed it on her. But what I found out later was when we really talked about it is when I walked out the door, she was just going, Psss, because her love language was quality time. And I looked, grew up in a, a family of four boys, basically. We just ran. You know, so we were at the ballpark. We were everywhere. She grew up in a family of four girls, and they just did all this. And so we learned that. And so now it doesn't matter what's going on. If I come in the door, she comes in the door. She's going to drop what she's doing. She's going to come over. She's going to uh, hug me, kiss me, say, glad you're home. And I'm going to sit down and say, tell me about your day. Now, honestly, I'll tell you, truthfully, I could care less about the people she just spent all day with. But... Ryan. 
She came at the 9.30. She was here last night. Just a heads up, okay? Yes. But she knows. He didn't say that at 9.30. We've had this discussion, though, (laughs) that she knows that I'm interested in her. And I'm interested in what she did all day, which is going to involve those people. So I get into her world. So we will have that time. It doesn't matter what it is, when it is. When we reconnect, there'll be that hug, that kiss, glad you're here. And me sit down, tell me about your day, what's been going on, and things like that. And over time, our two girls who are now grown, they watched us model that. And almost any time we go somewhere, one of my girls will grab my arm as we're walking somewhere. And it is almost like Superman showed up. These are mine, boys. These are mine. And I jokingly say, but it's true, they can have whatever they want because they just filled my love tank. Yeah. And it plays out in all of our relationships in some way that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could, uh, I can already tell after doing this a couple of times, we could hang out in some of these areas pretty good while. Talk to them. We won't because there's dinner and naps. So, hey, quick, uh, just a hard pivot here. So, on mar- like marriage days, it's kind of like Mother's Day, different things. You know, so what about the folks who are here and, um, man, they're having, they are having a hard time. Their spouse is not even willing to work with them to do anything to improve. Or, or perhaps someone has, has experienced a, a really bad spot in their marriage, and so they beat themselves up now. Um, how do they deal? You put your counseling hat on. I know in brief terms, but um, how do right. they deal with a day like today? Right. right. Well, there is another resource that we recommend, the Love and Respect book. It talks about that because you're in this, and it's between you and God, you do what you would do because you're doing it as unto the Lord. And when you're serving God and you're praying for them, then it's in God's hands more than it is in your hands. You're responsible for your side. I would also tell you, get, find somebody to talk to, whether it's call me. I have some ladies here if you would like to talk to a lady, whether it's get in our mentoring. We've got people you can talk to that can work you through it. And then I try to use some things with them, helping them work individually, and then say, well, maybe if we could get the other one to come help me understand you better. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can use that to get them to come in and be with us, then we can start building on that as well. So you want to, look, if, if they're feeling really bad, somebody's got to put some, I'm big on putting wind back into people's cell. Put some wind in them, encourage them, build them up, help them see what things they could change and work at it from their end. And God's going to walk with them through it all, even through those difficult times, which is really tough. Yeah, yeah. And you, you're going to have to take some, uh, some steps you know, whether it's as a couple, individual. Um, in fact, we have some next steps, which is, you know, we have marriage mentoring. We have Brian talks with folks. I see the Haybergs there on Wednesday evenings. We invite you to come where they're leading a marriage course on Wednesday evenings. We have tonight, we have a four-week life group that's coming up. Um, and, and so we have lots of areas to come alongside you to be all that God desires you to be. Um, let me, I know there's a lot pulling at families today. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I've found that as uh, Becky and I love working with young couples, but we found as they progress, kids enter the scene, the level of busyness picks up, then all of a sudden it's like they are just partners 
going through the motions. They're communicating just to be able to get the kids where they're supposed to go to get bills paid to do this, that, and the other. But some of the enjoyment, the fun, the intimacy in the marriage just isn't there. And then the kids grow up, leave home, and then what do they have? Um, what, do you, what do you find that is pulling at the marriages um, that, that distracts them from really being intentional? Um, I would say the calendar. The calendar? The calendar. I think it's um, life is busy, and I feel like a lot of times that there's not enough margin in the calendar and in our lives to actually have alone time with our spouse. And I think that's, it all boils down to that. And it can be from kids. It can be from jobs. It, but Mark and I are, have for the last several years on Sunday, we just, it's not like this formal meeting, but we just sit down and we're like, okay, what does your schedule look like for the week? Yeah. What does yours look like? Okay, yeah. well, let's see. Okay, we don't have anything Friday night, so let's let's try to keep that open. And yeah. we haven't had a date night in a couple of weeks, so let's try to do that. And our kid, we have one kid at home. He's 19. He's not hardly ever there. But it's still about being intentional yeah. about, because yeah. when we had four little ones and it was hard, but it doesn't have to be this big date night, you know, where you go eat a fancy dinner, although those are nice too, but it can be just something really simple about just going out on the back deck and having dinner when the kids are in yeah, bed. Yeah, how but, about having like one day of the week where with the one or two hours you have together, you don't turn on the TV and break your phones out, right? Because then, and then it's time to go to bed and like you've done no communications. The key word there is intentional. Yep. You know, the, our, we live the busy world. What are you going to be intentional about? Susan and I are real intentional about trying to make sure we make each other a priority. Yes, yeah, yeah, in fact. It's like mm -hmm. if you want to be successful and you want something to be good at anything, whatever you're doing, you have to be intentional and make it a priority. And our marriages should be at the top of that list. Yeah. And I'll just say real quickly that at first it's really awkward. It may feel artificial, like because you're trying too hard, but keep going. Like it's okay. It will get back into that rhythm. So don't give up or don't let you start starting something because um, it's a little bit different and awkward. Yeah, even if you start because we told you to today, it's the right reason to start. And then you just push through it till it becomes natural. Yeah. So, hey, Becky and I, we um, early, when I went from business into ministry and kind of lost vacation and money and different things, we had young family. So we took like a long weekend up in the mountains and rented a cabin. Greatest thing we ever did. And, and then we, we intentionally tried to work that into the rhythm of life every year. And it's still like our favorite thing to do is we can do more than a weekend now. But, uh, man, you've got to remove yourself from distractions. Get together and remind yourselves that you really do like each other. You love each other. And you're on the same team. And not just for helping the kids or to get through yeah. the day. Love, love is not a feeling. Yep. It's, it's a choice and it's an action yeah. to be intentional about that. So, yeah. good. so if you had uh, one word of encouragement challenge to the guys in here, Mark, I mean, what, what would that be? So what I would say is when I look back on my own um, life and our marriage, um, what I've often found is when we were more in a rocky place, it was more when my heart wasn't aligned with God right. Um, and so I would say if, if, if things aren't going quite right um, or not quite as good as you like them to be is check your heart. Where is your relationship with God? Are you in tune there? And if maybe the first step should be just saying, hey, God, is there anything in my life that I need to adjust on and refocus uh, to put that first? Because God calls us to 
unconditionally love our spouses. And that's hard to do on our own. We can't do that. We need his spirit to guide us and to do that and make those sacrifices. And so I just would encourage you that um, don't wait for the other person to change. Take that first step. Take that leadership step and do something different. Do something your spouse is not expecting. And whether it's counseling, whether it's marriage mentoring, whether it's just taking a date night, what, how much more can you say, I love you and I care about you, is that I'm going to invest time to do this. So take that first step. That's right. What about you, Mary Ann? What do you have to say to the ladies? Um, I would say the first thing is to pray for your husbands. And I think that, that we say that a lot, but that's really sometimes something that kind of gets put on the back burner, but that's so important. And pray, when Mark and I pray out loud, there's something really um, special about hearing him pray for me or me praying for him yeah, about amen. something I know he's there struggling is. about. Yeah. Um, and then... The other thing is, is in Ephesians 5, we're called to respect our husbands. And that is, um, we should always be our husband's biggest cheerleaders. He shouldn't have to go to a friend or to someone else. We should always be the one encouraging him and, and, and to other people, encouraging them and being their biggest cheerleader. And um, this week, as we were kind of preparing for this, I asked I thought, I know how I receive love from him, but how does he receive respect from me? And so I asked him, what are some ways, what are some things that I do that make you feel respected by me? And my 19-year-old was in the room, and before Mark could even answer the question, he said, you laugh at all of his jokes, and they're not funny. (laughs) There you go, baby. I like it. I like it. It's good. Brian, what what challenge do you have? uh, I'm going to give you a... uh, a resource. There's a resource called couplecheckup.com. Just remember that, couplecheckup.com. You can go on there. It costs you about $35, I think. And in that, you'll take, both of you will take this inventory. It's going to evaluate 10 areas of your relationship from communication, conflict resolution, finances, spirituality, parenting children, leisure time, sexuality. It's going to evaluate these things. It's going to tell you where you're doing really good, and it's going to show you some weaker areas that you could choose to grow in. Take the thing. I suggest you do it every year at your anniversary or every year in January. Start the year off. Just do a couple checkup. Start talking about those things. If you run across things you're not sure how to move through, contact us for marriage mentoring, my office or whatever, and we can work with you through it. It's just a really great tool that is very accessible for you to uh, get the report back. It'll come back pretty instantly and help you see where you're going and what's going on in your life. Yeah, that's good. My encouragement, I think... Uh, you know, my whole adult life, I've loved just discipling young men, discipling men. And one of the things that I've discovered is the, the guy's reluctancy to be the spiritual leaders of the household. They don't really know what that means exactly, I don't think. But, um, but there's a statistic that I've used before, and which is that, you know, the divorce rate is arguably one out of every two. The statistics say that of Christians who pray together, husband and wife, the divorce rate is one out of 1,052. One out of 1,052. And that's because a husband typically humbles himself uh, just as Christ did the church and gave himself for him. That 
if you go before the Lord, and I know most guys, when I ask them, you know, why, why, why don't you? What's so hard about that? And it's like, well, she knows all my warts. Uh, I feel like such a hypocrite. I feel like she's in a better place spiritually than I am. And, uh, you know, sometimes the whole intimacy and marriage thing, we have different ideas, the way God wired us a little bit differently. But, but that is how to create intimacy in marriage. It's just like Marianne said, when I pray with Becky and she hears me calling her name before the throne uh, out loud and praying for her day, those things that she's going through, and we lift our hearts together, then what Brian talked about, the covenant relationship with God, the triangle, if we can individually spend time with the Lord and then together come together and that be in the fabric of our relationship, then Man, I tell you, that's walking in, in victory and not in your own strength and defeat, you know, is, is what I would say. So we're going to close today um, a little bit differently. Um, here's what I, uh, and, and I've thrown, you, you know, we, we're doing that because <laughs> it's different than the other two. And uh, so if we could go ahead, um, Carrie, and uh, have some guys come up. But here's what I want to invite you to do. I know each one of you are a different place. Some of you have your spouse. Y'all can just stay put. You're cool. You're cool. Your spouse is with you. And uh, bless you for that. What I want to do in just a moment um, as the band leads out in this invitation is I want to ask husbands, I want you to grab hold of your, your wife's hand. I want you to go before the throne and pray and ask God to help you be the husband that she deserves and that you need to be and that your walk with the Lord would only grow and strengthen and that your marriage would do the same. So I want to invite you to do that. Now, I know that some of you would love to have your spouse with you. I mean, you, you may not have a spouse or um, you did have a spouse or you can't get your spouse to come with you here. I will invite you guys and I think there are some other mentoring couples that may join us, and the, some deacons and their wives. I want to invite y'all, you guys, now you can leave, I'm sorry, and just stand down front. And so during this, I want it to be a time of really surrendering your marriage to the Lord, couples, if you're together. Um, kids, if you, you, you pray for your parents. And if some of you guys, I know your parents may not have a relationship with the Lord, Come down, let us just pray over you. And um, if you've got a bad situation or just a situation, you need prayer, we need to be a praying church. We need to go before the Lord together. So would you just, just drop your facade, your, your church face, and would you just for a moment just let us kind of pray together? And then we'll, we'll close and you got time for lunch and your nap. We'll still get out in time. But let's do that. Let me just lead us in a word. Father, thank you for this time. Help us to be vulnerable before you. You instituted marriage, the covenant of marriage, right after creation in Genesis 2, before anything else, before the church was instituted. It's important to you. Satan has his attacks on us. But Lord, we can live in victory. We can walk in victory. Our, our marriages, our homes can be victorious but only through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, in our prayer time, would you help the couples as they pray together? And, Lord, those who need prayer, uh, give them the freedom just to come down. Let us pray over them. 
um, Lord, just be free to work in our hearts and lives during this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can come on down. Mentors, uh, Pastor Brian, y'all come on over. And uh, husbands, wives, if you go to the Lord in prayer, and let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.